The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science: storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is. Hi, I'm Helen, and I teach reception year one children at the moment at a small school in Buckinghamshire. And I'm Nicola, and I teach year six children um, at a school in Hampshire. And I've spent time in my career also teaching students at Teach Training College at university. And we're very pleased to have you, our listener, with us as we explore personal, social, health, and emotional education with a folktale on the importance of balance found all around the world. Adapted by us to feature legendary pirate queen Grace O'Malley. So, for all the fun and effectiveness of story-led learning, let's don our finest hats, sprinkle some fairy dust, and hang tight to our magic carpet as we dive into this week's story. When a nasty cough spreads quickly amongst a ship full of pirates, the captain begs the Mermaid Queen for help. But the captain's daughter, Grace, soon spots that her father isn't quite following the instructions on the label, and is worried about whether there'll be enough to cure her friend, the ship's deck swabber, Donal. The queen passed the jug to the captain and said, "Everyone on the ship must drink this." But then she added, "However." Do make sure everyone only takes a small sip. Then she swam away. The captain took the jug straight to those who lived above deck, his wife and all his mates. They were all so worried about getting better that they all began greedily guzzling the healing water. There wasn't much healing water to go round, everyone. Grace saw the important men being greedy and thinking only of themselves. It looked like the healing water would run out before any of the men below deck would get some. Grace didn't think there would be any left for the cooks, carpenters, gunners, riggers, or Donald. And if you and your young learners want to find out if Grace has enough medicine left for her friend and the rest of the ship's crew, you can download our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Pirate Grace and the Mermaid Medicine. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an Epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback, beautifully illustrated by Erica Terry Rose, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. There are even some tips there for telling the story yourself, and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, including any extra lesson ideas that we don't have time to fit into this podcast. Right now, though, let's begin our discussion with Helen and Nicola here by asking, folks, did you catch a thrill from this story? 
I really like this story. I thought it was short but sweet. Short with but with so many different learning opportunities in it. Yes, yeah. Me too. I actually shared it with a year four class in the UK today, which is children sort of aged eight and nine, and they absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm really, really pleased to hear that. And you're right that there is, being short, plenty of opportunity as well for adapting it for your own young learners and how you're going to tell it for them. I think in the the video that we have for everybody to watch, I add the character of a parrot who's kind of providing an extra commentary on the whole situation by saying, "Eh, you shouldn't have done that. You should not have done that. Uh, Which is perfect, of course, for your younger learners to give them a hook into the tail. But for older ones, I guess you could could really go into the detail of the the different jobs on the ship and the... um, He's also like the moral compass, isn't he? Sort of the conscience you know of the characters sort of saying what should and shouldn't happen the parrot yes yes so I suppose, yeah, you could you could even use it for, for older kids if you wanted to. Yeah. Mm. But I suppose it has the opportunity to be quite quite a dark tale, doesn't it? When we first released this as part of our original podcast series, it was right at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And this was really something that we wanted to get out there to teach moderation, but also how easy infection is. How would you handle that with your young learners, Helen, with the ages four to seven, would you touch on those topics at all? I remember when we first looked at this story, actually, and it was very appropriate for the mm. <laughs> for the time, but also for the children I was teaching. As we've often said, um, stories are great ways to teach children about more serious themes. And, mm. you know, it's always this kind of theme is always important, but particularly at the time when it was released, the idea of um, the spread of COVID it was quite frightening for the children. Mm. And actually, they were in a very real situation. But what this story was able to do was get the children talking about that and addressing those issues, but also teaching them the importance of hygiene and helping to stop the spread of germs mm-hmm. in a you know a more accessible, uh, slightly more lighthearted way. So yeah, you could also um, the idea that when we had the vaccine for COVID, the fact that you couldn't go and buy it, everybody had to wait their turn, yes. and it was yeah. the most vulnerable first. And the idea that on this ship that there was a hierarchy to that, um, mm. and, and discussing the morals behind that, you know what the children think. That would be really useful. Yeah. You know, I, I hadn't thought about that. I, I guess because when we first released this story, it was before any vaccination mm. got out there. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That That's a fantastic discussion to yeah. have. I hadn't thought of that link either, actually, because that's quite a tricky subject to approach, isn't it? But this is a perfect mm. way to do it in that, you know, people get preferential treatment in this story. And actually that happens in real life. And, and for those mm-hmm. older learners, that's an important thing to discuss, like, the fact that it happens and mm-hmm. should it happen and why does it happen and what can we do about that just like Grace does in the story. Yeah, exactly. And in our part of the world, that can be a really double-edged discussion, I, I guess maybe more with um, ages seven plus, but we can talk about how there is, certainly in, in our country in the UK, there was a preference given to the elderly mm. um, and uh, those who were maybe more susceptible to other illnesses that could be adversely affected by COVID. But there's also the fact that we were a very wealthy country. So um, we were getting a lot more vaccinations than developing parts of the world. So you could almost argue that the whole of the West is the captain's quarter of the ship. Yeah. And also the fact that in our country, we have a vote for our parties to to run our country and it's democratic, whereas on that vote, it was autocratic. So Mm. um, Mm. therefore, talking about the sort of regime as well behind countries that people live in and, and how they 
best star to be run as well, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, there's plenty of scope here then. Yes. Well, the big the big theme about not being greedy, yeah. about sharing. Putting others and, first. Um, that's right, because yeah. the captain was really greedy. And yet, actually, it came to a negative end because they had too much of the potion and, and it made them more sick. So, mm. so not being greedy and being careful, making sure that everybody has their fair share, mm. which is tricky because, like you say, we are a rich country and there are many, many poor countries around the world. But making children aware of that and, and also as a school, potentially doing something to help those countries, raising money, mm. holding events to be able to help people that haven't got the wonderful opportunities and things that we have. I don't know about you, but whenever I've talked about these kind of issues with children, they very quickly see the injustice in a situation. Yeah. Once their eyes have been open to it and once it's been put in terms that they understand, if you're talking about sort of my age range, they mm. very quickly sort of go, hang on, that's not kind, that's not fair. They're very keen to want to do something about it. So this will be a yeah. good opportunity to raise awareness of those kind of issues. Absolutely is. You know, I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment, which it's uh, just going to throw in here. It's called um, Humankind. I can't remember the name of the author at the moment, um, but it's a fantastic book because it compiles a lot of the um, scientific studies that have been done, which show that actually by nature, human beings are kind. Mm. Uh, a lot of these studies being done on children and, and toddlers, especially to prove that, yeah, a lot of people sort of assume that um, a child is going to be naturally selfish, but it's entirely the opposite. They have a kind of innate sense of when people need help and, mm. and how much they should. And I think that's borne out in classrooms around the world, really, isn't yeah. it? Definitely. And it definitely came out during the pandemic. In our class, we were writing to people in care homes, trying to connect with people in our community to make sure that everybody felt valued and cared for and raising money for mm. for people as well and collecting food the whole community came together so yeah it's important and there's no reason why that has to stop just because mm. lockdown is over and and we're easing out of the pandemic i mean there are always going to be people who could do with help could do with letters or, or pieces of art that children have made in, in their classes. Definitely. Incidentally, one other thing I just want to uh, mention here is a comment that was made by one of the Epic Explorers who has signed up with our site, or, or rather one of her parents. Mm -hmm. She let us know that her daughter had particularly liked this story because Yes, it had the fantastical elements of the mermaids, and yes, it had the the pirate ships and, and all of that kind of setting of adventure. And, but at the heart of it is a little girl mm. who is kind of ordinary. She spends most of the first part of the story just playing with a friend. And literally all she does is have that innate sense of justice that you were talking about, Helen, and that is what ends up making her the hero of the tale. It's not some superpower. It's not something supernatural. It is literally just being a child. Yeah. And surely that's that's got to be quite a powerful statement for the young learners in your classes. Yeah, I think she's very relatable as a heroine in the story. I think children would enjoy the fact that that's who saves the day. That's who is the main character. Mm. She's in her actions, in her day-to-day -day life, apart from the fact she lives on a pirate ship. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's fairly <laughs> ordinary. And I think children would, would like that. Building sandcastles in gunpowder, which is maybe not the same thing. Not quite the same. <laughs> 
Um, I thought it was quite interesting when she almost deceived her dad, who's the authoritarian figure, to yes. to take the cup downstairs to the crew below. Just talking to children potentially in my age range about is it ever right to do that? Is it ever right to mm, defy authority? Yes, true. Good and, and point. Because there's a great example, but we obviously teach children to behave, to conform to what we expect in society in our schools. Yes. But actually she took a risk and risk taking is a wonderful quality. Mm. Doesn't always pay off, but when it does like this, it's for the greater good of everybody. Yeah, we have this discussion an awful lot, don't we, Helen, on, on these podcasts? <laughs> we have yeah. uh, characters with um, dubious morals, but it's yeah. kind of, um, it, it works out well in the end. It would be quite interesting, wouldn't it, to almost put the scenario to the children, but maybe mm. before reading the story, give them a scenario where someone in authority <laughs> is doing something and then say to them, what would you do? And yeah. just open up that discussion and then sort of, oh, but they're a teacher or they're your parents, surely you should do what they say and just be very interesting to have that discussion. And yeah, trusting yeah. their instincts. So for example, if they're crossing mm. a road and their parents always told them to cross at a certain point, maybe they're on their way to secondary school, they're just going to their next school when they're 11. And actually they notice that's not safe anymore because yeah. something else has happened or some a car's parked there to be able to make a choice in order to be safe, in order for other people to be safe. Mm. Yes. Yeah. The way that we encourage people to do this when storytelling is to actually pause the story in those moments and ask your young listeners, what do you think they should do and whatever answers they give you know take them as valid thoughts that could be running through grace's mind because they absolutely could it's not going to affect the story if grace is sitting there thinking about what she could do and those thoughts are being supplied by your children and then you you literally just say yep grace had all of these thoughts running through her mind and in the end what she decided to do was this and that takes the responsibility off your children if they've suggested something curved ball or Mm. off the chart or even just completely erroneous and, you know, thrusts it back into the character of the story. But it still allows each of your young learners to feel that they have made a valuable contribution and they've been heard. And also thinking about consequences. So if she does this, what's the consequence going to be? If she does this, what's the consequence? So they can start learning that their actions will have those consequences and what, you know, they may be, whether they're good or they're bad. Yeah, you can absolutely talk about what those consequences could be when they're um, throwing them into the discussion. And and some of them will have multiple consequences. Yeah, because if she didn't take the cup downstairs, then actually they all would have died because the people had too much liquid. Yeah. So, yeah. Although she wouldn't have known that when she was making the decision. So you've got to be careful not to, Very to give the game away. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about, you know, pausing the story, I was looking at where you might do that. And there's a bit where it says there wasn't much water to go around. Grace saw the important men being greedy and thinking only of themselves. And then it says um, the captain gave the cup to Grace and said, drink up. And I think that would be a perfect place to pause the story and to say, if you were Grace, what would you do now? What would be your next mm. step? Because we would have told the part where she's obviously noticed everybody's being greedy and thinking only of themselves and all of this is happening, but she's been given this cup and been told by her father to drink up. And I thought that would be a good, a good point to pause the story and say to the children, what would you do? That's right. Do you know, I've had a a thought as you were saying this about how the illustrations affect things. And because if you just read the text on their own, then what's going on is Grace looks around and thinks, oh, there's not going to be enough of this medicine to go around. I better save mine and take Mm. it down to Donald. So she doesn't actually know what the mermaid has 
said. But if you have a look at the illustration, what you see is Erica Terry Rose has put Grace kind of hiding behind a trunk, listening to the mermaid's instructions, which does kind of give a a different flavor Mm -hmm. to what Grace is doing, doesn't it? Um, You could kind of make your own choice as to which you think is going to work better with your young learners. Maybe try (laughs) differently with different audiences and see see how it goes if you have the luxury. (laughs) (laughs) So do either of you have some activities to explore these PSHE elements with your young learners? I was thinking about leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes what makes a good leader and doing some exploration with the children about that because obviously the captain wanted his daughter to be safe and the main people in the crew to be okay but to think about what actually makes a good leader so it's not yeah. just somebody who makes decisions but somebody that listens to the needs of others and actually with the children brainstorming what makes a good leader and mm. in lots of schools we use like a diamond nine where you prioritize those qualities and use that to feed a discussion about that and then think about the skills behind Perhaps if you were talking to him as captain or you were interviewing him to be on that pirate ship, what qualities would you expect him to have? Or Sorry, j- just for those who, like me, don't know what Diamond Nine is, would you mind explaining? Sounds interesting. I mean, I, I do it in different ways in, in my class, but it's a, like a game board where there are three hmm. boxes in the middle all linked together, five boxes in the next layer, and then maybe seven in the next layer. Hmm. And the children and the teacher together brainstorm the qualities of a good leader, but it could actually be the qualities of a friend, you know, you could do it for anything. And then they prioritize, they take it in turns to put a card on the board. And if it's very important, it goes in the middle. If it's not as important, it goes on the outside. And it just feeds a really, really good discussion. Ah. And I think they could use qualities that he didn't have to Hmm. help them to think, well, what is it that would make a great leader on a pirate ship? And if we, as I say, maybe potentially doing some acting and interviewing somebody to be the next captain and finding out about their qualities or producing a poster to share the qualities of a good captain, a good leader. Yeah, fantastic. really like the idea of doing that. It'd be interesting to get them sort of almost enrolled as the captain, different children to talk to them about Mm. this particular scenario. So if you were captain of this ship, what decision would you make? How would you handle this mermaid situation? Mm. Definitely. And the fact that everybody has to do different jobs. You know, in a school, we have everybody doing a different job, but we're all there to educate our children and to get the best from them. And everybody's part of that community. And on this ship, he was just feeding those orders down. But it wasn't actually effective in terms of leadership. But what would be effective is he valued everybody for the jobs they did and they felt Mm. part of that team. Mm. Yeah, if he'd had managed to save all of his mates by using the medicine in the way he did, they would have ended up having to do all of the dirty jobs around the ship because they wouldn't have had anyone else to do those. (laughs) That's very true. That would almost be a, a, yeah, an interesting, different discussion to have with older children. Even with younger children, maybe, is to um, look at all the jobs on the ship and have a, have a bit of a debate, which is the most important job. Mm. <laughs> and to start with, they might sort of say, captain, of course, of course, it's the captain. But then unravel it and discuss, oh, but without that person, who would do that? And without that person, who would do that? And then it might be a good way to open up some eyes to the value of all the different roles that people have. You could relate that then to a school or local community and the different roles that people play in that community. Absolutely. I'm thinking, obviously, the idea of reading medicine labels, um, Mm. the ideas of reading carefully and why we need to do that. But also discussions about what are medicines, what are drugs, because that often comes up in age 7 to 11 
and discussing those and understanding the difference between them and Mm. the value of medicines taken appropriately and the responsibility that people have to make sure that they are having appropriate medicine as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I saw you nodding along to that, Helen. Was that something you were wanting to look at with ages four to seven as well? I mean, you wouldn't go into so much depth about it, I think, but, Mm. you know, there's all kinds of things around households. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Yeah, just consider what children might find around the house and how they should keep themselves safe. Yeah, it's definitely a story that you can use to um, talk about the dangers of just grabbing a bottle out of the medicine cabinet (laughs) or the bathroom cabinet if they haven't thought of it as a medicine cabinet yet. And talking about, you know, if you can't read what it says on there, shouldn't put it anywhere near your mouth, Um, maybe even not even anywhere on your skin or anything like that. Definitely. Yeah. And also another theme I think that comes through with personal social health emotional education is just the idea of human rights. And Mm. I know we've mentioned already about the people on the ship and the crew didn't really have any rights they were dictated to and told how where they should be and what they should be doing but they're thinking of the rights of the child and how important it is that everybody has those basic needs met yes and also the theme of discrimination i mean that links with that quite closely as well having a a bit of foresight into what you're wanting to discuss with us next week nicola about the history and the the re themes that you've detected there's clearly going to be a lot of cross-curricular activity going on here. Yeah, this text has so many opportunities. I mean, I almost have too many ideas. I need to rein <laughs> myself in. It's a fantastic story. And like, like Helen said at the beginning, it's short enough, but concrete enough to have so many different themes and ideas that can come through it. Yes, and and yeah. I think when learning's at its best, it's when children get excited by something, they'll yeah. immerse themselves in the story. And then the learning that comes from that in different curriculum areas will, will shine. And that's why you're one of the perfect guests for this podcast, Nicola, because that's exactly <laughs> what we're all about here. Excellent. Um, but yeah, since there is um, quite a lot of links with stuff that I know you're you're going to be sharing with us later, um, we'll uh, we'll use this as a little bit of a teaser for next week, and we'll just uh, go back down to the lower end of the school for now, the ages four to seven. What activities do you have, Helen? The first very obvious one is to do with hygiene and personal care, and yeah. which was one of the reasons that this story first came about early on mm-hmm. um, during COVID, and it is kind of a theme that comes up a lot and maybe gets a bit tedious but is so important mm-hmm. um, early years teachers countrywide worldwide find themselves just looking at children slightly in horror <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, reminding them to wash their hands to flush the toilet to not do that with their hands to not put their hands there to <laughs> all day long so this is a good opportunity to instead of just talking to children and telling children to illustrate why why all of these things need to be done in a more lighthearted way. So look at what happens when people are coughing and not putting hands over mouths and not following the hygiene rules, not washing their Mm -hmm. hands. So that would definitely be the first theme. You could have a discussion about it, but to make it more meaningful, perhaps you could have someone enroll as the captain and you could get the children giving the captain advice for how to improve the level of hygiene on his ship. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. They could create together a list of rules for the ship, like hygiene rules for the ship to make it all within the story, but mm. um, meaningful with very real life applications. You could make a copy of those rules to go up around your classroom as well. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, with younger children, you can have illustrations as well as words. Yeah, and the story is nicely open-ended, really. I mean, it doesn't give any indication as to the fate of the captain. So mm. he could maybe survive and you could have him having to abide by these rules that Grace and Donald put mm. together, uh, these hygiene rules. So, yeah, you could still 
very much bring that within the context of the story and the, yeah. the motivation that Nicola was talking about. Yeah, and I like the idea of there's some maybe there's going to be some kind of health and safety inspection on the ship because <laughs> because of the recent outbreak, um, and the children have got to help the captain get through that. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and then the other one I think we have touched on, uh, mm-hmm. but again, is so important is to do with putting others first. Again, early years, key stage one teachers will be very familiar with from little to bigger things. They kind of I've got to be in line first i'm going to be first there i'm first onto the carpet Mm -hmm. i'm choosing i need that i need that and one of the essential things of early years is to learn to think of others um, Mm. and to share to put other people first and again we can tell children that again Mm. and again and again but having a story that illustrates it so well is Mm -hmm. much more powerful Um, so i would definitely explore that theme with the children and look at what happens when because there's that key moment again that we've referred to before when grace is given this medicine that's that key moment where actually she doesn't. Mm. And again, with younger children, you could say, what would you do now? And she doesn't put herself first. She puts others first. And as a yeah. result, you know, she saves, she saves the day. Yeah. I, I wonder whether, given what we were saying earlier about what scientists have found in studies that children do have a sort of innate sense of fairness, whether this kind of selfish me first trope comes about just because they want to know what's going on as well as anything else. They want to be in the thick of everything so that they can learn, so that they can grow their awareness. And that's one of the great things about stories is that by empathizing with the main character, you can be literally right there with them, picking up on all of these other techniques and sort of seeing what's going on around the character at exactly the same time and really helps to practice expanding your awareness bubble. You, You don't have to be in the thick of it all the time mm. yeah i think so and i think of a lot of the me first thing with children there's just a natural competitiveness there there's a natural mm. want to be first and there's nothing wrong with that but it's about managing that it's about managing it and thinking oh after you <laughs> you know yes <laughs> so every now and again you'll see the child go oh, you go first and that's really nice to see and mm. you know, letting someone else have a resource that they want mm. and i think as you say children are innately kind so it's just drawing that out of them it's about saying actually do you need to do that? Or how does it make mm. you feel if you let someone else go first? And yeah, it can often have a positive effect. Yeah, sometimes you need to explicitly teach that. I've sort of done group work sessions over the years where the children are working in groups on a task, like building a tower out of newspaper or something, or they could be building a pirate ship out of newspaper. And, um, and then I watch them to actually feed back on those sorts of skills. Yeah. Or, or sometimes you have in a group where one child is watching and then they feed back. But I definitely find that you can teach that as an explicit focus on how to share, how to lead, how to listen, all those really important skills when people are working in a team. Yeah, I know that at your school, Helen, because we were talking about it with the Sir Fuller Dread discussion just a couple of weeks ago about the uh, assemblies where you recognise children who have done something good for somebody else. Um, yeah. So really rewarding the value of kindness. And I do think that's important. Yeah. With teamwork, as Nicola was talking about, you're looking at the outcome and what the team creates, but also just as much as a teacher, you're looking for children to be working well together and to be learning mm-hmm. to listen to each other and learning to compromise and learning to put others first. And because let's face it, when they go into the real world, they've got a job. Those are absolutely the skills yeah. they're going to need. Yeah, very much. That's sadly all we have time for in this episode, folks. If you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast, or if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover, you can find us on social media using at teach happily or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. 
Please do also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Pirate Grace will help us teach English. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So... Cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon! soon.